I'm a little sweaty and gross looking because I just got back in from a walk and it's still pretty hot outside. Yes, it's miserable. We're we're getting into the summer months. It's not the favorite. I got a lot of yard work to be doing, which is has been kind of difficult to like schedule around the heat and also the thunderstorms. I yes, I woke up at six thirty or something on a Sunday because mm-hmm. I needed to drive to my dad's and feed and water the chickens, and that's like an undertaking. Yeah. And I wasn't going to do it when it was 90 degrees outside. So so I did it when it was like, you know, very early in the morning, the sun had risen. And it was only like 75. <laughs> no, it, it it is definitely getting to the point where like as soon as it's morning, it's like, oh, I can tell it's just going to be gross out today. It's just pure wet heat. Especially since it's just been thunderstorming the whole. I know. The whole time. God, and it's. It's just the end of June. We have all of July and August to like really cook in this. It felt like it didn't get like autumn weather until December of last year. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true. Maybe it'll be different this time. It it will only be worse every year until we die. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 298 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castoropoul, with me is Lee McLeod. Hey Lee. Chris, I I had to tell you, mm-hmm. you just reminded me when you did the podcast intro. So mm-hmm. me and Alan did commentary for like the, the LGS modern event, that mm-hmm. was just a weekly modern event, right? Sure. And Alan was feeling himself. Whenever we would come back to start around, he would introduce it as he would try to do this by Kiest, blah, blah, blah. But uh-huh. just in that vein, just exactly the same cadence and everything. He was just trying to emulate you as much as possible. See, the thing is, he's making a reference to something that like only has it's very, very limited, narrow. like yeah. cachet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the, there's only a specific audience that would be like, oh, yes, I understand what you're doing here. And and it's it's y'all it's it's all, all all of you listening right now. Yeah. So maybe you know the listeners get to enjoy that Alan just being a goofball <laughs> at our local modern commentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is fun. How did it, how did local modern commentary go? It was fun. I mean, yeah. It's just a thing I would I just like watching games, imagine commentating on it. You know that you like it too. Yeah, I do like it too. So it, it was just fun. Alan never done it before. Well, I'm sure he did just fine. Yeah. I Yeah, I need to go back and watch that. I just didn't get a chance to, but I would like to see it. It's kind of just like they wanted to stream matches. So really, we're just doing a round and then there's a giant break. So it's not sure. like, a, you know, you just keep talking after the game ends. It's just the game. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah, it's still fun, though. Yeah, it, it's, it was cool. Uh, this week, we are pretty much just talking about modern. Lord of the Rings is out and has had... An outsized impact on the format, I would say, thanks to a, a small handful of cards that are just very important. Yeah, one big card mostly, I think. Mostly one card, but I would say that there is a list of cards that all are making a difference in the format. The One Ring, we will spend most of the episode talking about, but Delighted Halfling, also very good. The Land Cyclers, I think, just have made Living End significantly better. 
And Orcish Bowmaster is also performing pretty well, too. Mostly because of the One Ring. The One Ring, sure. <laughs> you know, just as Sauron intended, you know, you got to build up your Orc army to reclaim the One Ring. Is that what they're doing? To defeat the owner of the ring? Yeah, all in flavor. The the ultimate like flavor performance of the One Ring in modern has been an utter disaster. Yeah, like terrible. the way that this card works is atrocious. Orcish Bowmasters being very good against it, not ideal. I don't remember if I said this on the last step or any podcast episode, but I still hate that they've made the Nazgul and you can play nine of them and they're each mm-hmm. have a separate art because it's like you can have nine. There's nine ring rates. The yeah. one ring play up to four of those bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And playing a bunch of them is really good. And the fact that it's a legend, like the fact that the primary play pattern with it is play it, get a fog, draw a card, untap, draw two more cards either like playering that turn and destroy it or draw three, you know, playering the next turn after you draw three more cards. But like an integral part of the card is playing another copy. And it, I mean, like, I guess we just go into this now. It is deeply frustrating to play against. If you're doing any sort of like combat step focused deck that is not heavy on counter magic and disruption, it's just, you know, like I played the modern convoke deck today just to you know to check it out and have some fun i didn't think that it was going to be incredibly good it was pretty strong but just like if you didn't just kill them on like turn three and they had the one ring in their deck they just cast the one ring and you were like oh okay i guess i just can't ever win this game it is devastating and it draws so many cards that they will just find their answers the card design the like goal of the card clearly is for it to like drain your life over the course of the game after you have got- gotten some cards out of it but it just doesn't do that because of the way that the legend legend rule works and drawing multiples is and i think it is a a deep failure of design that it doesn't work that way i've compared it to uh, necropotence Mm-hmm. That also gains you a bunch of life. The The rate for drawing the cards on it is very extreme. And the number of things it protects you from the turn it comes down is like, it's just so frustrating to be sitting there with like 20 power worth of creatures and knowing like these creatures are never going to deal damage to my opponent. <laughs> that said, uh, everyone streaming the One Ring decks and casting and playing with it is having a blast because that card is like everything yeah, you want to well, do. Well, it's fun to it, it was fun to make Hogak the first time that you know, like when when there were like whisperings of like I think this Hogak card is really broken, and then you register it for a league, and then you just immediately stomp everybody and five zero. Like th- that wasn't not fun. Well, there's a difference between playing a card straight up. And like registering bridge from below in your deck, there's like a fundamental mm-hmm. difference in engaging with I, magic. I think I I agree, <laughs> but I do think a lot of the fun to be had with the one ring comes from just the deep raw power level of the card. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like I get to cast this, and I know that my opponent's creativity is not going to do anything to me on their turn, or they cannot kill me with hammer on their turn, and I will be up so many cards at the end of this, and it's very easy to do i i i don't know i'm not like a huge fan of the gameplay that results from the one ring being so omnipresent in modern right now i i honestly haven't seen that much of it i i did watch the energy this past weekend but mm-hmm. i barely saw any one rings at all like tron had a few but i think 
mostly people shouldn't have cards. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that looking at the deck list that we have from that, I'm pretty sure that card availability was an issue for people in that tournament. I, I remember, yeah, I just remember seeing the wandering out of a couple Tron decks, and that that was kind of it. Not nearly the amount you'd expect looking at Magic Online stuff. Magic Online itself is still having card availability issues. <laughs> like, there are just not enough wanderings to go around because of the whole rental service thing. Yeah, it's... It's pretty bad. And, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, the One Ring is too powerful and will be banned in Modern by August or anything like that. That's I that's probably not true. Adjustments can be made. Play Force of Negation and Spell Pierce and whatever. There are things that you can do, and I'm sure that the format will adjust such that it's not, like, people will stop playing decks that just your opponent casts the One Ring on turn four, and you're like, oh, I guess I lose. Like, just naturally that will happen because it's such a... A bad experience to have that happen to you but at least flavor wise i do think the card design ended up being close the idea is there but then the execution just like throws the entire concept out the window which is a shame if it was restricted like Mm -hmm. written on the card or whatever i don't care yeah i think it would be perfect sure i i think it's either that or in a more like normal place for magic design to go like at least if you got the burden counters oh yeah like experience counters or energy yeah. so you can't reset it just by playing another copy <laughs> yeah but then your next copy just draws a million cards right off the bat too <laughs> it it does draw a million cards right off the bat and and like fogs but at least then you are like taking five on your next upkeep or whatever it also gets rid of the, some of the um counterplay with like leyline binding where you can if when they activate their ring, you can get it and it remembers the last number of counters that's on it. That's true. But that's yeah, that's neither here nor there, know. I guess. I, I mean, some some change that makes the play pattern not be like play the one ring to kill my one ring and reset the counters. Like whatever change that that would need to be. But, you know, the current iteration, I think, is a flavor fail. Unfortunate. Yeah, it's too bad. But we'll talk about the decks that it pops up in and the other decks that have done well. I mean, you know, four main Magic Online tournaments this weekend. Big one is Showcase Challenge, but there were, you know, three other regular challenges for the weekend. I don't know. Should we talk about the Showcase Challenge first? Because it's like the biggest one that people try hard in or like what? I don't know. What's the best way to, to do this? Yeah, we can do the Showcase Challenge first because it, it took place on Saturday. So mm-hmm. Pretty early in the wake of all the challenges, anyway. Yeah. So one by Living End. I do think that Living End is just better now. The land cyclers are good. Somewhere between four and six land cyclers in the deck, and like fifteen or sixteen lands is kind of the normal place to go with it. I I don't think we've like completely cracked exactly what the count is, but somewhere around there seems pretty good. I did play 14 lands and seven land cyclers and just like pretty easily five Oda league with it. So the, the, the land cyclers just work. They add a lot of power to even like smaller living ends. Pretty much every time I've cast living end, like it just has been enough to finish the game at this point, which hasn't always been true in the past. The deck is good, and also you are a like grief force of negation deck, 
So you have tools against the one ring. If somebody's trying to mid-range you out with the one ring and you get to like embarrass a one ring cast by casting force of negation, like that is a fine place to be. And also you enjoy good matchups against a lot of decks that people still play heavily, including you have a good matchup against Breach, which is coming back a little bit. You have a great matchup against Creativity, Hammer, a good matchup against Murktide. Like just, you know, I played a league today and I... All of my opponents were matchups that I thought were good for Living End. And, you know, I got punked out by Amulet because they had extremely good draws. And that's just a thing that Amulet can do. But I don't mind playing against Amulet. And I don't know, people haven't quite adjusted to playing to like, you know, this is one of the best decks in the format, if not the best at this moment. And people don't seem to be super adjusting their deck choices or their sideboard slots for it yet. Uh, when they do, the deck will certainly... You know, it always happens with Living End. It, it, the metagame share will reduce significantly. But it won the Showcase Challenge. Seven copies in the top 32. It had four copies in the top 32 of the Friday Challenge. Like, it just, like, was doing consistently well. And every time I play it on Magic Online, like, people don't feel particularly ready for it right now. And, uh, yeah. So, if you are a Cascade gamer, then I, I would recommend this deck right now. It seems strong. Yeah, it's very good. The land cyclers are also gigantic. I don't yeah. know if you stress that enough. Like the average mana cost of your cards cycled for one mana. Like your biggest one was Riverwind, which was a five five, mm-hmm. and Int is just a five seven. <laughs> yeah. It's... Also, that food token. Like I played against Burn twice today, and getting that food token was completely insane against them. I've also seen Reach be good against getting like your opponent getting back Brazen Bars or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, not very often, but it was cute. That it yeah, every once in a while. Your main defensive tool is really getting a waker of waves in play, which means they can never kill you with combat damage before you kill them with combat yeah. damage. But I mean, sometimes, sometimes though, you make you have a little a little living end, and yeah, plopping a five seven and like a grief into play is just good enough. Well, and that's the kind of crazy thing is you know a lot of times in the past your little living ends were like an architects and a grief. And maybe that doesn't kill them in time. But now, instead of drawing one of your lands, you drew a land cycler along the way. And so your little living end is a Architects, a Grief, and a 5-7. And that's enough. They'll, they'll die to that. Yeah. Living, living end is good right now. I'm sure it'll people will adjust to it because it's... Yeah. Everyone has a lot of practice in doing so. Living end has this, like, you know, cycle of being popular and being hated out. But right now it's it's on the up. I would not recommend Hallowed Moonlight as your living end sideboard card. Everybody has it. I think because it's viewed as like a hybrid sideboard card for creativity and living end. But it never does anything against me. It is two mana that you have to hold up, which is a fortune in, in modern. That's so difficult to do. It only does something on the living end turn, never does anything against any other part of the plan. That means that, like, if your opponent is aware of it, then they'll wait until they have a force or they can grief it or whatever. If they ever see it with grief, they know to play around it. And it also isn't, like, if you're a creature deck, it's just not even that good to cast it on the living end turn because they still get a wrath out of it and you, all of your creatures from your graveyard get exiled too. So... 
it just like is it's pretty much the worst hate card of all the options and i would really not recommend it like i beat it three times in the first league that i played with this deck and it just like didn't do anything at all and wasn't scary yeah that, that card's really only for creativity uh and what is it Ch chalice or teferi is really the the cards if you yeah. want to beat up on living end absolutely if you do have like room for like reactive instance what is the name of the the white remand that one has been a pain in the ass reprieve so, i think reprieve yeah that card is is pretty decent yeah because that one i mean you keep up in the mana but it's you don't get a wrath out of it like they, nothing happens <laughs> like you still right. have your board <laughs> yeah it, it just like does a little more and if like you can do it on a grief or something like that if if you want to and it's not just like i only do this in response to living end so uh, also, if you're just a white aggressive deck, you could play uh, Dranith Magistrate or Containment Priest. Both of those are solid. Yeah. You don't have to keep the mana open for them all the time. Containment Priest doesn't do anything, though. Uh, does it really not? I don't, I don't. It doesn't. It leaves play before the creatures would come into play. Okay, gotcha. The whole Graft Diggers thing. <laughs> oh, I know why I'm confused, because it was bugged on Magic Online for the longest time. Oh, sure. But yeah, this is not... We don't need to talk about living it anymore. It just, you know is a good deck that got better and uh people aren't playing the hate for it yet so uh there's a couple of cool decks in the i guess the showcase top eight uh mm -hmm. the convoke deck do you want to talk about that that got second losing to yeah absolutely so if you were familiar with the convoke deck from pioneer it's very similar your your three of inspectors your epicures your gleeful demolitions and your coldotha rebirths which are legal in this format uh, you have the payoff convoke cards, and it's really the same. You just get like Esper Sentinel, Halo Hopper, Flowering of the White Tree. I've seen one to three <laughs> copies of that card, uh, yeah. which the legendary plus two, plus one, and ward one, and it gives everything else plus one, plus one as well. So it's not just like. I, I don't even think there are legendary creatures in this deck. No, it's just, you know, a, a crusade effect. It's just two An mana anthem. plus one, plus one anthem. Yeah, this deck is like what you hope the Pioneer deck will be every time you like shuffle it up. And it's just like, I hope I get a Kaldotha Rebirth effect and or, you know, a, a Gleeful Demolition. I hope I get a Gleeful Demolition, an artifact and a payoff. And it's just like this deck is literally only artifacts, Gleeful Demolitions and payoffs. Like you will get it. There's eight copies of gleeful demolition and cold of the rebirth there is memnite in the deck that makes your like explosive draws easier to get and it does like elevate the power level and it is the best version of this deck at like doing this thing but it is doing it into a format where fury is a main card so there's the, that's why after getting second in the challenge this player tweeted about it and uh this uh, akash is is the player and they they tweeted like, yeah, here's the list that I would play going forward. Moves, like, two of the Burnt and Forge Tenders to the main deck, which I think <laughs> is a smart choice. Yeah, I don't remember what deck I saw. I think it maybe was Matsugin's Zoo deck. Just, like, four mm -hmm. Burnt and Forge Tenders in the main deck. <laughs> yep, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of red removal, and all of the sweepers are red, and and fury is like the main sweeper in the format so basically those kinds of decks the any deck interested in playing a white one drop just loses to fury so yeah. just play the white one drop that makes you not lose to fury yep in the league that i played with this deck i played against just gifts ungiven storm like really from like turn 
2013. Turn three, they just they just cast a Baral and killed me. Game one. Uh, but then after that, uh, you know, it, it's really hard to cast Gifts Ungiven in this format. Yeah. Uh, everyone plays Storm cards with Twiddles now, so mm-hmm. that person needs to catch up with the times. It's tough to cast Past in Flames when it might get Force of Negationed. Oh man, that's brutal. That has never happened to me. Yeah, I would recommend not allowing it to happen to you by not registering Past in Flames. Oh, I haven't registered Storm cards in many years. Yeah, good choice. It used to be a good deck, but it it hasn't been for quite a while. They don't tend to print new cards for it, and so the, the other decks get more powerful consistently and storm did not i remember being upset when eidolon of the great revel was printed mm-hmm. uh, which became a mainstay in burn which was one of the most popular decks in modern at the time and that i think was like the last time it really played storm in modern mm-hmm. yeah but current modern i mean i want to talk about another non the one ring deck before we go to ham into the one ring like hardened scales also got fourth in this showcase and did quite well at the energy series mm-hmm. uh with no new cards like they're not even playing the one ring sure just the hardened scales like you'd expect to see it from a few weeks ago just you know ozoliths and ozoliths and hardened scales and the artifact creatures sure yeah i the deck is better than it used to be having extra copies of hardened scales which also like i've seen ozolith the shattered spire just be a really powerful like long game engine no, as it yeah. just puts several plus one plus one counters on stuff that then dies and puts even more on other stuff like you know it gives you this ongoing value that the deck didn't didn't always have access to before Ozolith shattered spire is is quite a bit stronger than actual hardened scales uh hard, hard skills gets the nod because it only costs one mana but it isn't legendary but yeah yeah of course well, how many Jordan scales do you need to play, really? Well, but, you know, if you draw two copies, you want to be able to play two copies. Uh, the the synergy with the Ozolith and Ozolith Shattered mm-hmm. Spire is really cool because anytime something dies and puts things on the Ozolith, it gets bigger just naturally. Yeah. And then it moves again and gets bigger again. You just get to like double dip a lot off the Ozolith and it's really cool. Yeah, no, this deck is cool and pretty good. I think it's one of the best Urza Saga decks you could be playing alongside the uh, Underworld Breach deck. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about Breach in a little bit. Corey won the Friday challenge with Breach with a couple of the One Rings in it. Like, pretty much as soon as the set came out, I saw Jesse posting lists as she was trying to brew a list with the One Ring and came out like very similar to the one that Corey won the challenge with. Uh, another Urza Saga deck that I think does have legs as well is some version of this Asmore Samwise Gamgee deck. It depends a lot on how stuff plays out, but, you know, Bill Sive got a top eight with this in the showcase challenge. A couple of the things that I really like about it, it is pretty powerful in the face of, like, Living End because it's really hard to, like, cast a living end yeah yeah i mean you can combo pretty easily from the graveyard and just like it it takes very careful living end piloting to not just die to this and a lot of times if you're trying to play it slow and figure it out then you just die on the way there so i i like that and i also like that the cauldron familiar 
combo wins through the one ring. So like I'm I'm into punishes for uh, casting a big four mana sorcery speed spell that then actually kill them through that protection. And I like that this deck can do that. I also like that it's an academy manufacturer deck. So when you're not comboing off, you generate a lot of value really, really easily. So I, I'm into this list. So I like this list a lot more than any other list I've seen because mm-hmm. some of the early lists were really like a mid-range Asmore deck with combo inside it. And mm-hmm. I don't think that works because you're not going to win ever with the mid-range side of your deck. Right. This that goes like really ham on the combo, like we're playing an Academy Manufacturer, I yeah. think is really valuable because you just have so much redundancy and the the treasures you get off manufacture off of like a million cards in your deck just let you convert your resources you've drawn into Urza Saga, which is the actual mid-range plan of all the Asmore decks, while just having a million redundant combo pieces. Like you've got four finale of Destation and Deadly Disputes to like dig for cards. Well and Finale of De- Devastation is also really nice because that's just two mana Asmore. Mm-hmm. And so having that as like part of what this card like a lot of the times we've seen Finale of Devastation just be two mana Asmore, but in this deck it's also just like your combo pieces are so cheap that it's a great tutor for those. So it's it's really I really like how this deck is put together. And and the four deadly dispute also is just like big thumbs up. I I, I this deck is just really well built. I think the the nod for like extra mana in treasures because you don't really want to play that many lands, but you have a lot of ways to use your mana well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so deadly dispute and academy manufacturer like giving you that extra push, I think really makes this deck for me. Yeah, I yeah I'm down. I I really like this deck. The the sideboard is kind of a mess to me, but I really like the look of the main deck. Yeah, I, I think this is a day one deck and the sideboard is going to be not I- ideal from the beginning. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, so one of the things I saw on the sideboard was Damping Sphere. Can we talk about Tron real quick? Because Tron is one of those decks, just monogreen Tron, mm-hmm. that has seen a surge of popularity with the Wandering because it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the Wandering is at its best in two places, which are in omnath decks and in tron decks and it's been very impressive in the tron decks yeah just decks that can produce a bunch of mana to like out to what am i trying to say decks that can produce a bunch of mana to match the pace that the wondering is giving you cards yeah it's just a silly recipe for success mm-hmm. and it's especially good with karn the gray creator because not only does that give you artificial extra copies of the one ring but the only way to kill the one ring is by exiling it, which Karn can just then pick up. Yeah, it can just pick it back up from under a leyline binding. Like, yeah. I'll I'll just recast that one. Uh, look look at my sideboard. Yeah, I'll take this one ring under the leyline binding. Thanks. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, I I also like I played against Eldrazi Tron today, and I think the one ring might actually be better in Eldrazi Tron than it is in regular Tron. Not saying necessarily that Eldrazi Tron is better, but like the performance of the one ring in Eldrazi Tron is pretty impressive. Uh, just kind of the way that that deck is not always the best at assembling Tron, but it's also a deck that's kind of fine with not having Tron immediately. And whenever you do cast the one ring on turn four, like you'll probably have Tron by the time, you know, but in a turn or two because you see so many cards and it's just a nice little addition to the the package that helps you put things together. So, I, you know, 
sizable upgrade for that deck, but I don't know if it puts it over the top of, you know, Green Tron. I'm certain it does not, unless the format becomes overwhelmingly like living end, grinding station, uh, mm. <laughs> the food combo. Like then you could sure. start seeing Eldrazi Tron like coming out to hate yeah, on people. As always, it's how good is Chalice of the Void. But I, I would honestly just rather see Mono Green Tron cut almost all their Karn Liberateds and just load up on creatures instead. Yeah, like, I uh, like the the Aspiring Spike Blood build. Lord. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not certain of the Aspiring Spike build. Uh, like by name, I've seen a bunch of different Tron decks. Yeah, it. I mean, like he basically just does that in his build is like play a lot of cityscape levelers, cut way down on the planeswalkers, uh, kind of like swaps where like classic Tron has like planeswalker at seven mana in Karn Liberated and then sweeper at eight mana in Oblivion Stone. It's like mm-hmm. play all his dust to sweep at like seven and then play like cityscape levelers at eight because the planeswalkers just don't always get it done as much anymore. And right. I, I think the best planeswalker by far in modern is, is Karn the, the Great Creator. Creator. Yeah. yeah, 100%. So obviously we play all the Karn the Great Creators, but Karn Liberated and Ugin are, are just not really where it's at these days. Yeah, and also you have the backdoor. I mean, everyone knows this because Tron exists forever, but you can just Karn on your seven mana turn if your opponent doesn't have a good board and you can just get a three drop. Yeah. Or if they do have a good board, then you get an ensnaring bridge and you're probably fine. Yeah, it's also a three drop. It it works out. It's Karn, Karn Great Creator, pretty good when you have Tron. No, yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of the, the... Well, I'm not going to play Tron anytime soon because I, it doesn't spark joy for me. Sure. But I do recognize that I think it's very good right now. Yeah. Uh, though though it is pretty context dependent. Like it's essentially a gold fishing deck. <laughs> it, like is your opponent well set up to be drawn? Right. One of the things that I've seen a little bit of is just to like move the conversation a little bit towards the Omnath decks with the one ring. I've watched the Omnath deck with the one ring just like outvalue Tron with its mana with the one ring and like dueling one rings. But then, like, Omnath gets Elish Norn into play and then is able to very efficiently, like, exile everything that the Tron deck is doing and then kill kill Tron. Just because when your cards come together in the four-color deck, they're extremely powerful. And the One Ring is really good at buying you an extra turn to help your cards come together. Like, the One Ring on four mana into Omnath Fetchland is such an insane sequence. Like, oh my goodness. And uh, so it like buys you the time and then just draws you the cards to put together these powerful like I'm just going to keep doing it. And Leyline Binding in particular is such an incredible hit off of like I'm drawing all these cards with the one ring. How do I spend my mana efficiently? Well, one white mana to exile anything is is pretty efficient. Yeah, the one ring, man, I like to think it was a bad pun. You know, the one ring just brings them all together. And- <laughs> yes, it binds, binds your cards. Yeah, of course. No, it, it's good though. Like we can talk about the the four color decks, the the cards these decks have been playing, and like from what you've known as four color decks in the past, mm-hmm. is the one ring and delighted halfling, which is actually the two cards we thought the deck should play. Yep, uh, I mean, it, dude, turn two to fairy time raveler uncounterable is a messed up thing to be able to do. It's also pretty neat because 
we haven't gotten to this yet, but Berktai did really well in one of the cha- well, just one of the challenges. Like it was in three of yeah. the top eight in one of them, and just basically not present in all the other challenges. <laughs> yes, uh, but that is a deck that relies like pretty heavily on leveraging mana and using spell pierce to mm-hmm. win fights. So it is creativity to some extent, but doesn't have the margins that Murktide does. And Delighted Halfling, even if you're not doing the like ramp to fairy so that the counter spells don't work thing. Mm-hmm. using Delighted Halfling to get the One Ring into play and it being immune to spells pierce and force yeah. of negation is huge. Yeah, no, you got to kill the Delighted Halfling if you can. And if you can't, you, you might be getting shellacked pretty soon. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough because you those decks cannot answer the One Ring. <laughs> Not as currently built, at least. And I don't know how many reasonable cards there are to, that you could put into, you know, there may be something that lets you exile an artifact, but those are mostly not great cards. Like the general Merktide thing when it's like, I need to answer a permanent is like Brazen Borrower, but Brazen Borrower on the One Ring is not great. It's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, the only one I can think of that like exiles an artifact is uh, Cast Into the Fire, I think is the best one, which is the you know, Lord of the Rings one. Yeah. Like, exile an artifact, or I think deal one to all creatures, something like that. Some very small yeah. the auxiliary effect. But that card is not good. No. Uh, yeah. So, and I mean, I think generally Merktide's best plan is going to be to try to spell pierce or counterspell the One Ring. And you need to kill the Delighted Halfling on the way there, which, you know, Merktide is fine at. But then Four Color has all of its other... Yeah, you gotta kill the Delighted Halfling, you gotta answer the Teferi, then the One Ring comes on later. <laughs> like, there's still... There's still four Renin Sixes in that deck that just come down, like murder your one drop, and then like get card advantage going through the rest of the game. So, not quite as powerful as the One Ring, but people have been complaining about Renin Six for years at this point, and for good reason. Yeah, card's still very good, and and now you know the four color deck is just, it's just a list of like most of the best cards in modern, right? And you just put all of those spells into your deck and it's really good those they're good spells and they're good together and then your deck is very good yeah do you want to talk about um the breach deck because Corey did win the yeah. friday challenge which is the very first challenge the showcase happened after the friday challenge yeah so it is not anything like incredibly revolutionary it is just breach no ledger shredders because the card advantage engine is a couple copies of the one ring and you still have your expressive iterations and the you know your Aragavan deck you have emery as both like a, a good value creature that works well with the deck and also can let you cycle one rings in and out <laughs> to get lots and lots of fogs and then probably just put together your infinite combo yeah breach is back we're not i i wouldn't recommend doing fair breach i think that this type of build is probably where you should be at if you want to be playing the card underworld breach yeah one of the things i like about this deck is dropping the ledger shredders uh it it has a cost like you don't get to play your like fair mid-range grind plan as efficiently without ledger shredders to supplement your urza sagas because that's Mm -hmm. like basically all you get uh but the one ring plus emery and just honestly the wondering by itself yeah draws you so many cards into your combo underworld breach the card is insanely powerful like everyone forgets until they just like get cast in 
their opponent draws like the equivalent of five cards, puts a board mm-hmm. together, and passes turn. It's like, oh, I had the combo handled, but this is just like really good by itself. Yeah, doing that with the one ring, me to death. Yeah, you, you just like don't have to do the mid range thing anymore. You can just draw cards, put your deck back from your graveyard into play, and just keep going until you finally kill them. Yeah, I mean, you basically have like four distinct like standalone plans each of which support each other and your opponent like has to engage with all of the possibilities but you have the turn one Rakavan plan you have the use urza saga to make giant constructs and kill them plan you have just straight up combo you because i have this breach and i have this grinding station and then you have cast the one ring which kind of like supports all of those plans, but most he- most heavily supports put the combo together and kill you with it. And that's that's a lot of stuff to have to deal with. And one thing that I really like is that this deck has a punish for your opponent casting the one ring. If they tap out to cast the one ring or try to cast it and then you make them fight over it because you've sideboarded in your spell pierces and then they're tapped out at the end of the day and then you're just like, all right, here's my breach, and my win condition is Thassa's Oracle, which works through you having protection from everything. And I I appreciate that in a combo deck right now. It's also something to be said about, like, Emery's always been a very high-priority target to get mm-hmm. off the board in this deck. It, it's very strong. But with the One Ring, you've just, like, cranked it up to 11. Like, not yeah. only does your burden just not exist anymore if you want to do that with your mana, but... You also get like infinite protection from everything as long as Emery's on the table. Yeah, and it's also just like a huge value hit with Emery. You play your turn two Emery and you put oh, the one ring in your graveyard. Your opponent must kill that Emery now and must kill every subsequent Emery immediately because they're just threatening to cast a one ring from your graveyard. And in the post board games, especially when that happens and you do like the play along game thing with a bunch of mana, mm-hmm. uh, Underworld Breach can just buy back the one ring. That's true. <laughs> Which is not even that bad of a play because, again, it gives protection for everything. Yeah. No, that's that seems like a fine use of a turn. Like, maybe, you know, bobble once, get back the one ring. Like, fine, I'll spend all of my mana on this and then I'll bury you. Yeah, it's very expensive. But in those post-word games, they can go really long when your opponent just starts yeah. to interact with you a bunch. For sure. Worth noting, you know, both this deck and the four-color deck can do the like Teferi Time Reveler to reset my one ring and get an extra fog turn. When you do quote-unquote fog, they do get to probably kill your kill Planeswalkers. Yeah. But, you know, that's just... You're fine. You're doing this on purpose. Like, it's okay. That's a little more important for the four-color deck than this one because this deck always had the pick up my breach after using it kind right. of deal which was it's very similar it's just really good yeah yeah but like right the four color deck a lot of times is trying to like use this ticking up ren and six as a, a source of pressure and and obviously the one ring doesn't stop you from dealing some damage to their ren and six so that that you know that is a thing to be aware of as, as part of how those games play out uh while while we're in the middle of one ring discourse can we talk about a deck I think has fallen off like very heavily and can't utilize the one ring well, which is Scam. Sure. Uh, Scam was a very popular deck. I, I think a couple of episodes ago we had like a, a little spat about whether it was like great in the format. This is before the Lord of the Rings came out. Yeah. Uh, and now it's just like it, it exists. It, it's still putting up results. 
uh, in the Sunday challenge. It's got two in the top eight, but it's not a deck that can play the One Ring, or at least people haven't been playing the One Ring in it. And it's kind of falling behind in my eyes. I mostly agree. I do think Bowmasters in the deck is really important and and an upgrade. I think that, yeah, things get tougher for it. You know, like traditionally its worst matchup is Murktide because Murktide can deal with its threats and can also top deck expressive iteration if both players have like sprayed all their resources at each other. Uh, and that combination is is pretty brutal to, to the deck. Uh, now, if a lot of your opponents can top deck the one ring and stop your fury attack from that turn or stop your four damage grief attack and then just like start drawing cards, their cards are stronger than your cards once they get a bunch of them. And yeah, I think the one ring is very good against scam and that's it. And it's a card that like blood moon isn't good against void Walker isn't good against grief isn't good against, except that maybe you can make them discard their one ring. Uh, fury isn't good. like none of your cards are like good against the one ring. Right. So yeah, it's just Bowmaster and uh, one of the like obvious counterplays to your opponent having the One Ring is for you to have the One Ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Scam doesn't utilize the One Ring that well because even though you can draw a bunch of cards in like Grief and Fury your opponents, uh, if you're not drawing those with exactly Feign Death, Undying Malice, and can utilize it on the board, like you're not really doing it. Like if, if you can scam people, essentially, mm-hmm. you've used the One Ring well. But if you aren't, if you just draw the Grief Fury parts, you want to cast them with actual mana to have a board. Right. Uh, and there's a deck with very low mana requirements. That's why the One Ring is so good in uh, Omnath and Tron. Right. And if you don't Omnath draw... Omnath the... makes free mana. Yeah. Tron has enormous amounts of mana, right? And if you're not... If you're not willing to pitch cards to, like, use your One Ring, you're just going to be drawing the other half of that. You can just draw a bunch of Feindets and not be able to use them. <laughs> Right. I mean, yeah, there may be some build that uses the one ring, but it's not really the game that the deck is trying to play. And I think what makes more sense is to load up on Bowmasters and try to like punish the one ring and make it as bad against you as you can. I think there needs to be a, a more global retooling of the Rectus mid-range deck as opposed to it being like a pure mm-hmm. I I want my 10%, you know, fury or grief turn 1 with a faint death. Yeah, like I don't think you can do that if you want to engage fully and the like the ring is being a large part of the format. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I have largely it. It's funny, you know, when we were thinking about Bowmasters before, it's like, yeah, this card is obviously good in Legacy Two mana flash threat that like punishes brainstorming and pondering and just like the things that people do and also like murders a ton of the stuff that is on board in that format. Uh, in modern, it's like, yeah, this card's probably fine. We don't draw that many extra cards. Like, there's a reason this is the format that Shieldred sees no play in. I don't know how much it does. And then immediately, everybody's drawing a ton of extra cards. Yeah. So, Like actual drawing cards, not, yes. you know, Nissa or Expressive Iteration. Just put cards from your deck. Draw cards. Your, yeah. Trigger Orcish Bowmasters. And and Orcish Bowmasters in this context with the One Ring has looked very impressive and then been good enough when your opponent is not One Ringing. It's uh, probably the best card other than like having a Mystical Dispute at the right time against Teferi Time Raveler that I've 
I've seen. Just yeah, like the, just the most kills. powerful. You, well, they, they have face-up information, but it stops them from you. Because you have to play the Bowmaster in right. response to but, Fairy Sonar in the battlefield. But then they just can't minus three. Yep. And then they... Yeah, you're just sitting there. You get to attack their Teferi for two. You still have your Bowmaster, so if they draw another card, it triggers. And their Teferi can't really do anything uh, particularly significant from there. So, Except for be a Teferi, but it will die in a couple of turns. I also want to know for this like specific interaction, like Orcus Bowmaster, it, it, has the, it triggers whenever your opponent draws their second card, right? But it also triggers when it enters the battlefield. So right. even if you can't ping Teferi, you still get a 1-1 Orc army. Which allows you to pressure the Teferi if the board's clear. That that also yeah. makes that interaction really good. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's not second card; it's any card except for the yeah, draw yeah. step card. Sorry, I, I wanted to. That is, I knew what the card did. I just didn't right. know how to like succinctly explain it. Yeah, but just to be clear, like this thing triggers a lot. Yes, that's why it's so good. That's why brainstorm was like the card people brought up against it. It's just like trigger this three times. This is pretty strong. It also uh, makes Season Pyromancer look really, really bad. Well, that, that's kind of rude, too, because Season Pyromancer is, like, a fair good magic card. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's too good for, like, standard Pioneer, but it is a good card for Modern, and it's extremely fair. Yeah. It doesn't deserve to be hosed by Orcish Bowmaster. No, but here we are, and I think Orcish Bowmaster is kind of going to replace a lot of season pyromancers in Rakdos decks because it's like well, this card is worse against bowmaster and i need to find room for bowmaster and also like playing a season pyromancer game into the one ring doesn't sound particularly great to me so i think that that may be the direction that a lot of these lists go i think we'll see like i, I can see one of two things happening like the ring just kind of calms down after a bit and mm -hmm. mostly the decks that play it are the huge mana decks or the decks that can abuse it like grinding station in some way uh in that case maybe you can just play rectus game as it is and just like you have some bad more some, a couple more bad matchups right mm -hmm. but or the second thing is like the ring is really good in a bunch of different decks all over the place and you just have to like completely rework how your mid range works yeah and i don't think that that is a particularly unlikely future uh, the One Ring yeah. is very good. Yeah, can we talk about the what won the Sunday challenge, which was Golgari Yagmoth? With the One Ring. With three the One Rings. Yeah. Th this is kind of the signpost of, oh, this is messed up, isn't it? It's kind of like yeah. when Urza Saga was seeing play for like the first weekend and just blue-white control. People were like, oh, is the card maybe like too good? <laughs> <laughs> it turned out anywhere. that you can't actually play it in blue light control but yeah that deck also if memory serves had a brainstorm in it so clearly you know this was an exploration <laughs> yeah <laughs> but we... but this kind of this this yawgmoth deck to go back to like the real topic uh is the other thing i think the one ring is good at which is having a backup plan for a combo deck that isn't really a backup plan it's you're still your primary plan but the card is yeah. so powerful and gives you access to so many cards you can just like kind of brute force your a plan yeah as long as you your combo is good enough and you have enough like anti-hate cards in your list then the one ring just like can help get you there if your opponent is drawing their rest in pieces so they're doing a bad job of killing you then either you find a way to kill them with your creatures, which has uh, become less and less likely over time, 
Or you play a card like the One Ring, which just allows you to put more put more of your stuff in your hand and then draw an answer to their rest in peace. And then all of a sudden, like, sorry, you slowed things down too much and now you're dead to the One Ring and my combo after all. Yeah, notably Zerk, who who won this challenge, has been playing Yamath for a while, uh, had four Orcish Bowmasters in their deck. So mm-hmm. very, this was, you know, at the end of the challenges. So it was very clear that the One Ring was everywhere. Uh, so being able to just like slot four Orcish Bowmasters while having access to the One Ring and a combo all seems very powerful to me. Yeah. No, I, I think that this list is smart. I mean, Zerk is really good at Yawgmoth and uh, this is a great list. I think, you know, rest in peace, Strangle Root Geist, but it's got to feel a lot better to draw Orcish Bowmasters in your hand the vast majority of the time than to draw a Strangle Root Geist unless you just, like, have the combo all wrapped up. But Bowmasters well, It's not even that bad, too, right? Because Bowmasters is two creatures. Like, it represents two oh, creatures yeah. by itself. I mean, Bowmasters is just good in the deck, right? It, it just, like, isn't literally... I win the game. Yeah, it isn't right literally have undying, which is what Yawgmoth right. checks for. But I mean, you can only go yeah, so it's still wrong very when Yawgmoth's in play. <laughs> the fact that you can, like, you know, if somebody triggers their fable and draws two cards, and you have Yawgmoth, then you can like sacrifice your token, amass, sacrifice your token, amass, sacrifice your token. Like, you know, you keep amassing and you keep getting cards. I, obviously, you should not draw two cards off of your fable in that situation but the fact that it like threatens to do that yeah bowmasters good with yawgmoth i want to call out a couple more things in this deck list Uh, though one more thing about bowmasters which i think is like distinguishes it a little bit more from something like shangri geist is that it is two creatures for convoke as well Mm -hmm. Uh, which is not super relevant when you know you're curving out because you can never hit triple green off of a two black creatures. That's just but not going to happen. Court of Calling isn't a curving out card. It's a right. find my last piece at the end of the chain card. And it's really good when you just barely have enough mana because Yagmoth often enters these situations where your mana creatures die or you just like didn't draw enough of lands because you're a 21 land deck. Mm-hmm. And you just you need a little, little every edge you can get. Which is why I actually like love Delighted Halfling in this deck as well. Uh, kind of replacing some of the ignoble hierarchs from the list because Delighted Halfling does not die to Renin Six, Renin which six. is huge. Yeah. This is a deck that really needs to deploy like all its stuff. And Delighted Halfling only taps for generic mana for most of these spells, which is still okay because your your main cards cost well, four or, or legendary. Yeah, so I mean, it taps for colored mana for Yawgmoth, and for Grist, and for Court of Calling. So I think it like does a lot of what you yeah, need and the to one do. And, and the, yes, and the One Ring. It does that, that's make actually the One pretty Ring important. Un- uncounterable, yeah. though, which is, is very important. Uh, and also, like, Orcish Bowmasters into Grist. Like, if you're just playing your mid-rangey game while you're, like, waiting for stuff to come together, you, like, play Orcish Bowmasters, and then Grist, like, it's very... Like, sacrificing that army token is very free for the minus two. Mm-hmm. Yawgmoth remains one of my favorite decks I've just never played. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly, I think, because of Grist. <laughs> yeah, Grist is, is sweet as hell. It's just like maybe the coolest card out of Modern Horizons 2. I don't, I'm don't. i not looking at the set, but it's really cool. It is really cool. I, I agree completely. Uh, so the this sketch is art where... of Grist is really good, but the sketch frame is so bad that I don't know 
but I, I really like that that sketch of it. I just like the full art of Grist, mm-hmm. where you can see her like in the skull. Yeah, that is cool. But Yagmoth is ca- good. They are all good. Grist is great in all aspects. <laughs> Yagmoth is one of those decks where I think it's really strong, but no one plays it like it, it's not gonna ever mm-hmm. be that big a pace it's just gonna be like zerk xenoan and like just people here and there playing yagmoth decks well it has that similar problem to kind of like all of the green like mana dork decks which is that like ragavan is a huge problem for them i mean obviously you're a young wolf deck that's your one card that's good against ragavan but yeah, otherwise so- Delighted Halfling also blocks Ragavan, yes, which I think Noble that's Hierarch actually, does not. It is huge. I think that's yeah. actually kind of a big deal is that you're Delighted Halfling like now, okay, they, they do need to kill that in order to get through. They're not bad at that, but it does add. And also Orcish Bowmasters is very good against Ragavan. So I do yeah. think that one of the main reasons that this deck has been frustrating to play in the past is mitigated a lot by the, the cards that you can run in the deck now. Yeah, I think so too. Every time I see Yawgmoth Winter Challenge, I like check the prices to see how much of the deck I own, and it's like too little to justify buying the rest of the cards. <laughs> like, four Bowmasters is apparently like one hundred fifty dollars. So, <sighs> yeah, and a lot of that is from Commander, unfortunately. Yeah, where it is like the best card printed in the past ten years or something like that. I don't know. I try not to read Commander threads. Everybody's like really mad about it. People are mad about like a common in the set, so. I can't really take on everything people are mad about face value. Well, Lee, if if you've been paying attention, you would know that Orgish Bowmasters is too good for Commander and should not have been printed. And it's a betrayal of the Commander community because, you know, somebody cast a, a Wheel of Fortune and then somebody else flashed in Orgish Bowmasters and they got to, like, murder the person who cast the Wheel of Fortune. And that's really bad for the game, Lee, is murdering the person who's casting Wheel of Fortunes on turn three. This reminds me of a conversation we had a while ago where it's like, all right, so there's this whole thing in Commander revolving around just casting a bunch of Wheel of Fortunes, <laughs> including the card Wheel of Fortune. Mm-hmm. And this is just completely allowed, but you're not allowed to play with like Primeval Titan. <laughs> it's it's because of homogenization, Lee. Everybody would have to play Primeval Titan in all of their green decks. And that's worse than what happens when somebody's just able to play a million Wheel of Fortunes and just get 30 storm count on turn three and kill it. Why do I feel like you're about to go on like a 30 uh, tweet thread about the definition of homogenization in Commander? <laughs> I only care about homogenization in uh, milk and orange juice. So that's okay. the thing. Not a big fan. I actually don't like pulp in my orange juice. If I know, you know that. I don't like that. And uh, I do only drink pasteurized and homogenized milk. So I don't really drink orange juice. It's not really like good for you or orange juice. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't drink, drink orange it. juice either, but when I do, I, I typically eat it. Mm. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Sent like your little, like, whatever the opposite of cardboard just i want that cardboard just in my sugar water or whatever it is yuck anyway see the thing is like i'd love you know i'll drink a glass of fresh squeezed orange juice pulp and all because it does taste very good right out of an orange 
but not so much when it's just like old pulp from a carton. Yeah, gross. And if if you're out there saying like, but I like that. Why does CCR think that he's better than me? I don't think I'm better than you. We're all better than this. You are better than that. Don't you don't have to do this just, to yourself. Just remember, listener, who CCR hates. Uh, <laughs> I'm on your side. <laughs> Everything gets so twisted up. Communication, it's it's just difficult. And yeah, it's just a giant game of telephone. As always some amount of domain zoo pops up in one of the top eights i continue to be just like in awe of that the fact that somebody can top eight a tournament with this deck so i've watched too much of this deck recently there's three tireless trackers in the main deck of this list yeah this list is an abomination but the thing is like you have a top range of your draw, which is like your Ragavans and your Kavus with Stubborn Denial and Tribal Flames. Like those are like the four best cards you can ever have in your deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Layla Binding's cool too to, for interaction. Sure. But when you like draw the Neshoba Brawler, Wild Nakadal, Tireless Tracker, half of your deck, it's just like I'm not playing modern right now. Yeah. When you cast Neshoba Brawler and it gets Lightning Bolted, or you cast Wild Nakadal and you try to Stubborn Denial something, like yes yeah. not great it's, the, the wild cutters is still good in the deck because like every chunk makes tribal right. flames so much stronger uh which is why i'm show brawler is like an acceptable card to play as a five power it's trampler. not god it that card is just a placeholder in the deck once once yeah, they obviously. find something to replace si- the 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 nishoba brawlers with i think that you know then i will tell you i would rather this deck have four nishoba brawlers than two nishoba brawlers and three timeless strikers I agree, but the deck just needs like one more one drop or very resilient two drop, and then I can start respecting. But as as long as like Nishaba Brawler hits the battlefield, does nothing, and like you die for casting it, uh, you know, I I reserve my respect for this deck. This is also a deck that like when your opponent casts the one ring, you're just like, hmm. hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's not great for me. I do like I don't know how much I like it in... I mean, like, I, th- I think you can get people with it. I do like the Dramokas commands in this deck. I was actually talking about this with known Dramokas command enjoyer, your, your roommate Kenny, the other day. Uh, but, mo- like, about Pioneer. And I think that Dramokas command is, like, actually one of the best positioned cards in Pioneer. It's just that there's no deck that you yeah, can green possibly put it in. Like, yeah, <laughs> Green-White is terrible, but just Dramoka's Command is absurd in that format. Like, yeah, it's very strong. Making somebody sacrifice an enchantment is great. The fight is phenomenal, like, because, you know, your your green creatures, like, making your Asika's Chariot fight something and kill something is, like, really, really good. Like, Dramoka's Command is incredibly good in that format, and it's just a secret because there's no deck that you can possibly put it in. But I think it's, like, a top 10 card in the format if we all other factors removed. Yeah, whenever Kenny plays one of his bad green-white decks in Pioneer, his win rate, whenever I'm watching, is like directly correlated with how many Dramokas commands he casts, and it's like <laughs> so nutty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just always good. It's always a blowout every time, every time it gets cast. Yeah, good card. And it's like one of the very few cards in the format that is like, oh, you cast Fable on turn three? Let me blow you out of this game right now. And yeah, that's really it's neat. It's over right now. Yeah. <laughs> with my like fleece main line or whatever the hell i'm playing <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right anyway back to the real modern decks 
<laughs> yeah, sure. Where did we leave off? We just kind of skipped around a bunch. I don't know. Blue white still exists. I guess here it is. Yeah, blue white all exists. Like it, it's propped up by sheer force of will, if nothing else. <laughs> uh, like Wafatapa exists as a person, and the deck will just remain playable as long as he continues to play Magic. Yeah. Um. You are not Wafatapa, though. I don't think. I'm probably not. I'm not talking to you, Lee. I'm talking to the like proverbial you. None of oh, us are Wafatapa. I know I'm not Wafatapa. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to talk about creativity or hammer? Those are decks that were, you know, big. Yeah. Prior to the One Ring dropping. I think hammer. So hammer made its way towards being mono white because the white interactive spells or like anti-interaction spells whatever you want to call them just mm -hmm. were a little bit more efficient and more widely applicable than anything else uh you know they were the ones that protected your creatures from solitude and fury and so you could get a cleaner mana base and just kind of ignore being just not playing like spell peers uh, I don't know if that's an option anymore because I think doing that just means that every time someone casts a one ring against you, you will lose the game immediately. So I think that you probably need to go back to spell pierce if you're going to be playing hammer. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I also want to note that it did pick up a tool. Uh, it got top eight of the energy this past weekend with Forgenew, which is the three mana enchantment yeah. that brings back an equipment and you can equip for free the first time for each turn. Mm -hmm. uh, this was a really good redundancy piece and I didn't see any games where it kind of got to play in combat where you get a cranial plating your equipment around or whatever mm -hmm. uh, but just the fact that it existed when looking at like a thought seize hand or anything just made the game a lot harder for your opponent Yeah, because normally you just take the equipment and but now Forgenew is if you do that Forgenew is all of the combo in one Mm -hmm. And you can't interact with it the way you can if you're still Paladin. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I think that this is a great use of the flex slots. I think it just makes more sense than, like, basically any of the other options there. Yeah, I think it's really good. Yep. I like it. I, I do think that Hammer, you know, if Four Color is going to experience this renaissance and the One Ring uh, is going to be this heavily played, I think that Hammer is... And, and also uh, Orcish Bowmasters can be quite good against hammer just especially like just taking out esper sentinel for free and then threatening like a lot of chump blocks on an equipped creature uh i think bowmasters is is problematic and so i'm not sure about registering hammer but uh just got to keep all of that stuff in mind and, and figure out you know if you are a hammer player you you know what you need to do to your deck to deal with these problems and if it's worth it and, and some portion of it may just be you know, playing hardened scales if you want to do that instead, because they are mm -hmm. similar decks, and hardened scales doesn't have to deal with all this, uh, <laughs> like fury, solitude, like hate as much. Yeah, Orcish Bowmasters is a lot less obnoxious when your creatures are all like, you know, five fives or bigger, or when killing them is actively bad for your opponent. Yeah, or when you get walking ballistas. Uh, I. I don't I don't know why I've been connecting hammer and hard skills a lot in my mind recently, but they are they, they seem like I have a very similar matchup spread to me and mm -hmm. they just kind of play similarly. Sure. Yeah, they do that like big turn. They're like aggro decks that plank in and then have a huge turn where they do unexpectedly large amounts of damage. Yeah. Hard skills is a little bit of grinding. 
hammer can go fast. And they're both they Urza Saga decks. Thing. Like yeah. that, they have that that general like mid game plan. Mm-hmm. Also, I did. I don't know why I'm talking about hardened skills again, but I did see someone recommend uh, the one ring in hardened skills, which I thought was cute. I don't know if you can actually cast the card. <laughs> <laughs> you are pretty light on mana sources and hardened skills. But you can have ancient stirrings for the one ring. <laughs> but I feel like you cast your ancient stirrings and you're like, do I take one more land than I need for my deck to function so that I can cast the one ring? Or do I take the one ring that I cannot cast because I didn't take a land with this ancient stirrings? Yeah, this is kind of like the times I wish uh, Biophages was in Modern, which is a, a commander card that is a mana dork, but if you cast a creature with it, it enters with a plus one, plus one counter. Hmm. That's sick. I didn't know that card existed. Yeah, it's great. I assume that, that that's a card you find doing cube research. Yeah, it's a, it's a tier end. You know, they are all plus one, plus one counter synergy. Sure. That's where the hardened scales comes from out of the Warhammer deck, the tier end deck. Yeah. The, the very sweet looking hardened scales. Yeah. Um, and creativity, I think that, so I would talk with Dubes about this a little bit and he's actually like putting down four color for a little bit because he's still struggling against creativity with it. You have the tools, like the one ring stops Archon from working the turn that it comes in and there's very little that they can do about that. But on non one ring turns, like creativity for usually multiple archons is so much value that it is it is tough to deal with and that is a difficult matchup creativity also gets to play spell pierce and stop your early one rings and so i you know creativity will probably continue to be fine it's a strong deck it doesn't get to play the one ring or really any other upgrades do do heavily to the like the construction of the deck you don't no creature and no artifact upgrades the deck. So yeah, the, those are not allowed. And those the are the scope, cards that they try to make good. <laughs> yes. So the scope of cards that could improve your deck is very narrow and they really didn't get any this time around. Yeah, it's like not every day Fable the Mirror Raker comes around. Right. Uh, and honestly, it's like a pretty good thing that it did for creativity, I guess. Otherwise, this deck wouldn't be nearly as good as it is. Yeah. Yes, no, Fable is a huge contributor to the deck being strong. Uh, I I will say, though, that the Living End matchup for the straight up, the, the like standard construction of the like five color creativity deck with Leyline Binding, the Living End matchup is pretty bad for that deck. And as long as Living End is both heavily played and at the power level it's at right now with you know it's just a better deck and easier to win with small living ends which you often get forced into based on from teferi decks and like that's that's the main way that creativity is engaging with living end is by being a teferi deck that forces you to operate within a smaller window of the game and sometimes you just have to do too small of a living end now your smaller living ends tend to be significantly bigger and i think that a lot of the games that creativity would have won in the past against living end it actually doesn't win those as as often anymore and so if living end is going to be as heavily played and as successful as it has been then the just kind of generic five color ley line binding ren and six to fairy build of creativity may not be where you want to be you probably want to be a version that's like better at getting archons into its graveyard and making the living ends really awkward so 
you know, like the the bitter reunion versions and stuff like mm -hmm. that. That 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 may be a better build to be in. No, I agree. I, the, the one that did the best at the challenge this weekend was a uh, just like a Jund more permission bitter reunion style deck. Sure. Uh, also, I found a more definitive than Yagmoth uh, proof that the One Ring may be too powerful. Uh -huh. uh, in 14th place in the Saturday challenge is Ponza with just a bunch of the One Ring. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like Arbor Elf Utopia Sprawl. Good lord. Blood Moon yeah, the I, One Ring. I mean, mana acceleration into the One Ring is good. Like, this is probably one of the best uses for arbor elf <laughs> utopia sprawl that you can but you didn't have to put all the rest of those cards in your deck you like, did not have to put the rest of the cards in your deck like like none of the cards are especially bad they're just not a game plan <laughs> it's just cards and the one ring and we're gonna get there we're gonna we're gonna go five one in the challenge <laughs> yeah sorry i'm just pulling this up yeah the four main deck endurance just because like your cards aren't good, so we'll just play this one that is a good card, but maybe not applicable in every matchup. But when it's good, it's good. Yeah, it's just like four Arbor Elf, four Utopia Spell, right? The classic. Then just four cards that were in Modern Horizon sets. Ragavan, Endurance, he's Pyromancer, Fury. <laughs> That's the creature base. Your strategy is just to play good cards and the One Ring to just draw as much of them as you can. Yeah, I mean, this deck is heavily good cards right it's just that it's also like endurance to hate 20 percent of the metagame blood moon to hate another 20 percent of the metagame and then, i do not think blood game hates 20 percent uh it's got to be at least 20 percent right that struggles against blood moon you got your tron decks like if your like four color opponent isn't like prepared for it it gets them if like it's good against the creativity decks like it, it does is very like good against creativity decks. enough like it's got to be at least 20 percent of the metagame right 20 percent is maybe an overestimate for endurance but and then like you have to win fair games against like half of the rest of the metagame and that's you know like i get what this deck is doing it's basically green red scam <laughs> yeah, I suppose so, yeah. But this is a this is the one deck I've seen that you know just clearly should have not. It displays the it one ring power good. too too powerfully. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> one one dead gone, and it's not even a cascade deck, uh, right? <laughs> like, why is that there? I don't know. We I just mean, want a shock. Like, I don't think you ever get delirium for unholy heat, so. I mean, you've got enchantments, you've got an artifact, though that one mm. never goes to graveyard. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> Still, though, no, whatever, it's fine. We can move past. Just to mention, Burn has finally, like, updated itself. I think that maybe, like, in part due to Aspiring Spikes crusading about it and stuff, but also, like, I think people finally kind of caught on, like, Eidolon has been pretty much universally removed from the burn decks rest in peace uh eidolon of the great revel in its place you know just more skull cracks often and like a couple of main deck roiling vortexes are, are pretty common at this point burn is like the old versions of burn without rolling vortex pretty easy matchup for i i think a lot of the cascade decks including living end uh this is uh it makes it harder it's it's a much bigger challenge when they just have this main deck hate card that will murder you 
Uh, so it also does okay. more against more of the format, I think. Like mm-hmm. the, the format has evolved from the place where Eidolon was very good mm-hmm. into more of a place where life gain is just all over the place. Yeah. And it's not like Skullcracks were ever removed from Burn, but there's no more Skullcracks you can reach for. <laughs> we're right. not playing Flames of the Blood Hand. So right. Roiling Vortex is like feeling the same role as Eidolon as like a small damage dealer that can just randomly have someone. Yeah, it can give you a chance against Omnath or Solitude or whatever. And then occasionally, you know, the Cascade decks just like are beside mm-hmm. themselves about what to do. Guess I'm dead. Yeah. I hope I have a Brazen Borrower. And, and it's also just like the way the format has gone. You know, the format is a lot more creature heavy than it has been at other times when Burn was good. And if you play an Eidolon... All of your spells trigger your Eidolon, and if you play an Eidolon that's going to deal 8 damage to you over the course of the game, like, a lot of other decks have Ragavans and stuff in them, and you you might just kill yourself, and Rolling Vortex doesn't do quite as much damage to you as Eidolon of the Great Revel does, and I think that's relevant a non-insignificant amount of the time. There's also a lot more red decks that have a lot more damage in them nowadays. Like, mm-hmm. the red cards are better, so there are more red decks, and, like, all the red decks have Ragavan some number of fury which is a huge clock mm-hmm. it's just like you can't just kill yourself like that's not a thing you right. can afford to do if you leave yourself at eight a lot of decks can finish you off right um i think i've gone through all the challenges and hit a good number of decks is there anything we're missing can you think of something i'm sure there's something we're missing i mean there's, there's like a four million it's decks modern on. there's still infinite decks oh amulet you want to talk about the amulet yeah i think the one ring is good in amulet it's really good in amulet so yes so the do you know why people played karn like when that was uh spoiled back in the day i mean it's a scaling threat that scales with as much mana as you have and yeah. just like is is good when you don't know when you could have anywhere between four and like 12 mana in a in a turn yeah it's that and there there's always this awkward time on turn three or two sometimes mm-hmm. where you like can you very easily get to five mana yeah and you need something to do there uh because you can't cast brutal titan but you can cast a four drop uh, and karn was really good and scaled super well but it's just like not good enough and i think the one ring is good enough yeah i will get you to next turn when you can cast primeval titan yeah you're not gonna also- die give you three cards towards accomplishing that yeah it seems fantastic there i i I, sadly you know amulet hasn't really changed other than that amulet is always you know four primeval titans and grazers and a pile of cards whatever you want to play but this this one i think actually makes a difference it's not you know people like hydroid crisis or whatever right right little nonsense changes i mean you know there's the Tyrannix Rex, one of my personal favorites. Well, there's also the Aspiring Spike, like Timeless Lotus uh, amulet deck, which is just a totally different deck. But yeah, it, it plays Amulet of Vigor, <laughs> right. but it's not Amulet Titan. It's right, it's... Uh, though it is it is super adorable whenever you can kill someone with Dordanathiness. I, you know, nothing but props to Aspiring Spike for that. Oh, of course. Uh, there's also the 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 other amulet deck the twiddle storm deck now just plays an amulets yeah no so you just like get your lotus field going immediately yeah yeah I'm down that deck that. is also so again another the one ring goes really well in decks with a lot of mana and combo decks yes. 
and the that's why aspiring spikes like first day he was playing the like mono brown drawn million voltaic keys the one ring because that was mm-hmm. both a deck with a million mana and a combo <laughs> yeah uh, and the twiddle storm deck is also that like it is a deck with a bunch of mana because you're a lotus field deck uh but you also get the one ring and you can hidden strings both lotus field and the one ring and you just <laughs> kind of go off it's so strong right turns your hidden strings into a mana like huge mana morphos like mana and cards i i think i will that said i don't bl- you know, I don't have confidence that the Twiddle Storm is the way to go with the One Ring. I think. Oh that- no, absolutely not. But if you, you know, for instance, you play in a league and your opponent gets gifts that given, you can type in the chat, "Hey, uh, are you familiar with this deck?" The and then you just link them Twiddle Storm <laughs> instead. <laughs> and you've improved their win rate dramatically, I think. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, you get that same like gameplay experience, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. I, I imagine that slotting the one ring into an existing excellent combo deck like Yogmoth or Breach in particular is the way to go if you're trying to like do game actions and put the one ring into your deck. But, you know, like I, I would not be surprised if we find out the Samwise deck needs to play the one ring in some fashion. Yeah, that's uh, possible. Like if the one ring's going to get banned. I think it'll be off the back of enabling combo decks, not off the back of being a Yorion for mid-range decks. Yeah, just being like the best, the best. Um, what was the guy? It's uh oh, Psy. Uh, it's just yes. like the best Psy that you can do, and it also slots into any combo deck, regardless of colors or regardless of what the combo is trying to do. Like, Psy was the card that you boarded into when they had a bunch of hate cards for your KCI deck because it just, like, sidestepped all of it, and the One Ring just, like, lets you barrel through it, and so kind of the same thing. Yeah. The only thing it doesn't barrel through is Karn the Great Creator, so, mm. yeah. That's the only, yeah. it's the only weakness. Karn is the master of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Karn probably does gain some you know that that's probably a thing helping prop up tron a little bit more even than like Karn the great creator is nuts like yeah i, I don't it's a, an incredibly it, powerful card it, it's like very obvious especially when it was being spoiled right or, or after we were playing with it for the first time mm-hmm. this card is good now it will only ever get better over time and it's just is right yep. <laughs> i mean yeah core of decks that often are the best deck in the format in multiple formats like just incredibly good i also believe mycosynth Lies should be unbanned because i'm tired of games with karn just dragging on yeah it takes you too long still to kill lose me. those games when you when you cast karn and you can cast a six mana thing that you get with it like you're not losing no right you might as well just end it right there right i i feel the same way like come on wizards of the, Ga- wizards of the coast free me from my misery just unban mycosynth lattice so i can stop playing games against karn <laughs> Where they, you know, especially in modern where, you know, like you can grab a Sundering Titan or whatever. It's yeah. Just what, like, what is the difference between Sundering yeah. Titan when all my lands are blown up and right. I can't tap all my lands for mana? Like, what's the relevant difference there? <laughs> <laughs> the, the difference is that Sundering Titan, you can only interact with counter spells. Uh, and Mike's and Plattis, you can actually float your mana response and kill it. <laughs> yeah. Can't force a vigor it, though, hilariously. Uh, you can cast Force of Vigor. With, yeah, you like, can ha- you can mana. float your mana, but 
but you can't you can't pitch cast for force of vigor because yeah. of additional like flavor text on mycosynth lattice it's not flavor text well it, it is flavor text it's, in the very truest form of the words yes <laughs> it's pure flavor something the one ring sorely lacks uh, it's the one ring is so close though like the 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 goal of the design is so clear and like makes so much sense but the fact that you can play more copies of it and to subvert what it is like to subvert the costs of the card is just a, a complete uh, i mean just, if you remember in the books like have you read the lord of the rings i have read the lord of the rings yeah okay so you know there's a moment in the book where soren just like threw the other ring the first ring out and just made another one right right yeah exactly and yeah. then the whole quest made no sense whatsoever right he just made another one it just yeah. it wasn't a big deal <sighs> yeah it it undercuts the entire concept of the card and is fr frustrating there's secretly uh four super special elvish one rings mm. they just only advertised it as the one ring so this may be a conspiracy theory but i mean this is a conspiracy theory <laughs> straight up because i have no evidence whatsoever but it makes no sense for them to have put the serialized one ring in any of like the first, you know, distribution of packs because packs are more desirable as long as the one ring has not been opened. So like just for I, I'm sure it has like actual impact on sales and then like the stock price of the company as long as like the one ring has not been opened. So it's just like way in their best interest to not put it in a pack until like six months down the line. Yeah. And also, I think there's been so much hype around the card that even if it does get opened, like you're just not supposed to say it. Yeah, you'll be a target. Yeah. <laughs> so like even if it has already been opened, uh, who knows? Yeah. Which might not. I mean, we will find out at some point because they will have to move that card and then like... At some yeah, point, we'll be someone... monitoring Post Malone's uh, bank accounts or exactly. whatever. <laughs> well, at some point, it will reach someone who has the resources to not be afraid because they have the one ring somewhere. You know, oh, it will sure, be sure, sure. stored somewhere safe. And you know, it's like in a vault it's... surrounded by Pinkerton agents or something. It's also literally a one of a kind thing. So, like, if somebody gets murdered and it gets stolen from them, it's really hard to move the the serialized one ring at that point. Now, that is in flavor with Lord of the Rings. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I think we've reached the silly section of the podcast, so maybe time to call we it. We were talking about orange juice and milk, like, an hour ago. We've reached the second silly section of the podcast, so <laughs> yeah, that's it may be like time it. to call it yeah we can call it we've been talking for a while <laughs> only thing that i have to promo is i'm still doing the stream i am actually planning on and this is the first time i'm like saying it out loud but i am planning on trying to stream every day for the month of july and whoa, just kind of see what about what america's there. birthday well i'll still do america's birthday i'll make the lights behind me like red white and blue or something like that because how patriotic you are yeah, because how much I love America and yeah. being an American. Out of the bald eagle that I'm getting you for the occasion will we'll go great Ooh, with those lights. Fancy. They're endangered, though, so you have to be very careful. Okay, but and we're going to make sure that it does an accurate eagle cry, which is not 
the, the one, you, hear. The one yeah. you hear because that's actually a hawk, but it actually sounds more like someone choking to death, which is that's that's what a bald eagle sounds like. It's more of a moose than a hawk, really. So, uh, yeah, planning on streaming, trying to do every day in July. I'm calling it Christmas in July because you get Moss Chris. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> in July. I um, hate when you say something so terrible because when a pot on a podcast because normally mm-hmm. i'll just like lose Shake all expression and not yeah. emote at all and i can't mm-hmm. do that when you know people yeah. can't see me <laughs> you have to audibly express your disappointment in me oh my god <laughs> i'm more i'm working on a flyer it's gonna be great i'll post it to twitter when it's ready but yeah show up we're gonna make some you know changes to the stream i'm gonna try to do some giveaways and stuff and it should be fun we'll we'll see how it goes i just kind of want to see how this plays out when does speaking of july start that, uh, july starts no, on july I know 1st july starts oh my goodness <laughs> that's like four days from the time of recording right correct it's this saturday but when does pioneer season end like when can i stop playing pioneer? oh god i don't know is it it's never? been so long it's been like four thousand years I think this it's is never. This is like the first episode in a long time where we just haven't talked about Pioneer. It's been liberating. It has been, but honestly, like, you know, I've been keeping an eye on Modern, and it has not been something that has like Sparks sparked joy. any amount of joy or interest <laughs> yeah. for me until like new cards came in. So, you know, this is a good time to talk about Modern finally. I I did actually enjoy uh playing Hardened Scales prior sure. to lord of the rings coming out but i mean that, that yeah. was just like a casual deal i really do like all the high octane the one ring stuff going around now mm-hmm. i just don't want to buy the one Rings. you don't want to spend 200 dollars on some one rings right now i no. understand i don't <sighs> yeah it, it sucks that yeah the upgrade to the the four color deck is just spend 400 dollars right now it's brutal I mean, luckily, some subsection of or most subsections of the four color players can just like de bling their cards for whatever version <laughs> they have and then just buy the one rings. Right. Sure. That's so like it's, a the options there. <laughs> yeah. Every four color player I ever see locally or whatever just has the most insane versions of every card. Uh, and there's so many different versions of cards now. There's like textless omnaths for some reason the textless omnath which is what i was thinking of when you were saying that is not only insane because it's like yeah this is the expensive version or whatever but it's also completely insane because it is a horrible version of the card like i said this before but i thought it was a joke the first time i saw it not just because it's like haha textless cryptic command textless omnath like it's funny that it's Texas. like yes i get that joke but it's hideous it is one of the ugliest cards i've ever seen in my entire life and it's like the chase version of omnath now i don't i that one will never make sense to me i i think the art is so goofy looking that it's kind of endearing and like uh <laughs> oh you tried kind of way i kind of like the um the steve argyle thalia Ooh, where it's a yeah. super super close up of her face and it's just like okay this was tried something was tried here it yeah. doesn't work but you know you tried <laughs> <laughs> anyway for the stream in july uh 
you just get to play a bunch of stuff like modern pioneer maybe the one ring will be accessible then yeah christmas in july i'm sorry <laughs> so at least it's in the fat packs but also the fat packs are like 200 dollars because they have a one ring in them so. I, I also don't like the version in the fat packs or sorry the mm -hmm. bundles is what they're called now the like golem reaching for the ring the one mm -hmm. ring which right. is fine the art's okay but it's also all foil it's always foil i know which is a deal breaker for me yeah i i don't really want i mean also yeah foil is not like my favorite way for cards to look but i don't really need cards that you know make are making a taco shape in my deck and getting me game losses so i have when i play hard scales i have the promo i can't say promo archon ravagers because there's like three of them i have the the horsey archon ravagers mm -hmm. <laughs> that are only in foil from like a ptq i think something like that because I, I really like that art it's my favorite of ravager and those are just the only Ravagers I own that are that all match. So I'm just kind of playing with four foils in my deck right now, and it it, it hurts me every time. I get it. I understand. You got to do what you got to do. I mean, if they print non-foil versions of that card, I'd be all over it, but they don't exist. Yeah. I think that'll wrap it up for us. Now that we're just... Get sidetracked yeah. in the wrap-up. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to wrap up again? Yep. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Love you very much. Have a great week. Bye.